When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. Le troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. It's going to be sick. Good Friday evening, everyone. My name is Matt O'Han, and I am your Friday host for the Sick Podcast. Before we get into things, I forgot last week, so we're going to get them right out of the way, right off the bat. All right, here we go. Energy Transportation Group is one of our proud sponsors, and they are a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. We're also brought to you by La Bite at TB, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bite at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bite at TB, embrace your true nature. And by Playground. Playground has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes away from downtown Montreal. All right, uh, I got, got a little bit of a confession to make. There almost wasn't a Friday edition of the Sick Podcast because I didn't have any power. Well, there's a huge power outage if you're not watching in Montreal. I'm sure if you heard, uh, if you listened to Tony last night, um, we didn't go on the air on Wednesday. Uh, Tony had an abbreviated version of the, of the Sick Podcast last night, and uh, I only got power back about a couple hours ago. So there almost wasn't a Friday edition, but uh, have no fear. We are here. So uh, let's jump into things. We got two guests today, so we're going to have our uh, a Habs roundtable, both from Eyes on the Prize. First, we have the Deputy Managing Editor. We have Jared Book. Where is he? There he is. Jared, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you? I also just got power back uh, today. So. Oh well, congrats. I hope it. Uh, I hope the same thing that doesn't happen to you that hap- uh, happens to you that happened to me, which was it went back on for about five minutes, and then it went back out again. And I said, "No freaking way is this happening right now." I got. I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my god!" I could feel the heat already. Nope, went out right away. Yeah, it, it actually came back uh, twice today. So it, we had it uh, come back for about a couple hours. Uh, went down, yeah. 
for a couple hours and then came back. So we went out for dinner, uh, had a family dinner tonight and we're hoping just when we got home that it yeah. would still be, it would still be here. So, uh, luckily it is and, uh, happy to, to be here, uh, um, in, in light. Um, yeah. Yeah. Light. Thank, thank, you for everyone who, thank you for everyone who isn't, uh, as lucky. Um, cause there's still a lot of, yeah, well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's no joke because, uh, yeah. I know some people over in my neck of the woods that still don't have power, and even last night, like I came home from my grandparents' house for uh, for dinner and like I texted Aniello and Sammy and I go, this is part in my language for everyone. I rarely swear on on the sick podcast, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm like, this is effing bullshit. Like my right across the street from me, they have every light on in the house and me, nothing, nothing. I got nothing. They go knock on his door. I go, not everyone's as friendly as me over here. So I couldn't do it. Anyways, uh, let's uh, let's not keep them waiting anymore uh we're gonna bring in your colleague uh matt drain uh another editor at eyes on the prize matt how we doing i'm doing terrific i actually stole jared's spot as a deputy managing editor while his power was out so he's not aware of it this is the first that he's hearing uh sorry to break the news to you like this jared but uh you know you snooze you loose um my, my power grid stayed up during the storm so uh you know it is what it is it if I knew nice. Matt, if I knew Matt was here, I wouldn't have been here. So just, just, oh, just okay. <laughs> all right, perfect. So no, I like the dynamic already. It's going to make for good, uh, good podcasting. Uh, all right, gentlemen. So uh, the Canadians uh, start off the week, depending on how you look at things. If you're a Canadians fan, very, very well with a big loss and then a devastating win last night against the Washington Capitals, which now puts them sixth to last in the NHL one point in front of Arizona. Now I know, you know, hindsight, yeah, they should lose every game and you know, the way it goes and how everyone sees the tank battle this year, but you kind of need a game like last night, right? Especially near the end of the season. Am I, am I, am I reading this wrong? I don't, I don't feel like I am. Let's start with, uh, let's start with Matt. You know, I, I I really wish they would have lost it uh, just for the for the tank's sake to make sure that they can stay in fifth last. Um, I think being in the top five is going to be very important in this draft. But I, I agree with you on in that sense. Like having a, a decent game towards the end of the year, beating a team as handily as they did against the Capitals too. Like the way that they did it was also, I think, important to to know that they're capable of of dominating a team that's ostensibly better than them on paper. Um, I, I think that that has some value for the team. I think it was going to be tough if they lost out for the rest of the season. And realistically, what, what does it do? I mean, if Arizona wins one more game from here on out, the Habs have the Leafs, Islanders, Bruins, three playoff teams, three very difficult games for them to win, unless, of course, the Bruins decide to sit everybody on the last game of the season. Um, all you need is Arizona to win one, and you're right back in fifth last. So I don't think it damages their chances of being in the bottom five that much. And I think, yeah, there's maybe an aspect of getting a little bit of confidence going into the end of the year to have a game like that uh, and not just to lose everything all the way out to the end of the season. That would have been a little bit rough for them, I think. Yeah, Jared, what about you? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we have to balance wanting the highest draft lottery position with, building things for the future and in the grand scheme of things you know it's one percent between fifth last and sixth last it, it's really not that big of a difference in terms of the lottery odds yes you'd like to be as high up as possible because that limits how far you can drop you know that's just you know the the common sense there but in terms of the actual odds of, of winning the lottery i mean i remember uh, a few years ago the new jersey devils uh, won the last game of the season and uh, lost the first overall pick as a result, uh, or lost the last overall spot uh, as a result. And then 
the lottery comes and they win it and they get Jack Hughes anyway. So um, there, there's there's a lot of things that could happen. Um, you know, Montreal finishing last and winning the lottery last year is you know maybe the 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 most you know likely outcome for a team that finishes last, but it's not the the best possibility. You know, you have a twenty five percent chance. Uh, you know, if you know you ask people. Uh, you do something and you have a 75% of not getting it, uh, people won't like those odds. So I, I don't know why, you know, people are looking at finishing last as the, the end-all be-all. I mean, obviously it worked out for the Canadians last year, but uh, it could just as easily not work out for whichever team finishes last. There's there's quite a battle going on there, a uh, three-way battle there. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I mean, you know, you wouldn't like them to, to, to go as low as seventh last. I think Philadelphia is pretty out of reach anyway. But I mean, you know, have they, they got shut out two straight games? You, you want to have something to could feel good about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't hurt to have Yul Armia's trade value go up a little bit right before the off season, uh, either. So I mean, yeah, it, you know, I understand the the philosophy of wanting to lose every game, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you, you want the team to feel good about themselves too, um, heading into the off season. So a couple things there, um, you know, just as you, as you were talking, I had the tab open, so <laughs> I, I made sure to have it open for this specific reason. I, I just ran a tankathon. I just did it. I, I run like one every day. And, you oh, know, boy. Like, like, but like you said, it's, it's 1% and it's not the be all end all. And lo and behold. The team they faced last night, Washington Capitals, congratulations. If the draft lottery was tonight, you would be the proprietors of the rights of Connor Bedard. And uh, Columbus, congrats. You win a pretty good, uh, good runner-up spot in, uh, in winning Adam Fantilli's rights, or projected rights, we should say. Uh, Hobie Baker winner, Adam Fantilli. So, you know, it, it's, I, I, I agree with both of you in the sense that, like, Obviously, of course, you know, for the t- sake of the tank, you want to lose as much as possible. But you, they really needed that last night because with the way the season has gone, it's so weird because, you know, we're talking and, you know, as Matt mentioned, you know, they got three games left. That was news to me because this season is just it feels like it just flew by last year. They're in a similar situation. They're in last place. I couldn't wait for the season to be over. I, it was like, I, I, I actually remember fist pumping when the buzzer went on the last game, not only be, not just because they won nine to two and Cole Caulfield got a hat trick, but you know, it, it's crazy how the two seasons like similar results, but just so contrasting. And, uh, yeah, with the way the season has gone, it's been a pretty exciting one, I would say, for all things considered. You know, it, it they I I feel like they needed that one, especially for for players like like you guys mentioned, Yoel Armia, who I had actually jotted down something about him. It was his second career hat trick, so uh, he was mentioned. So let's talk about it. You know, like you, Jared, you talked about him boosting his trade value, but. Do you guys think that because we're going to get into a couple players in this discussion, but let's start with him. Is he on this roster to start next season? I, I think no. If Kent Hughes uh, could, you know, if Kent Hughes is here and he had like truth serum injected into him uh, and he was being good, <laughs> I, I would say that his goal would be no. Um, and, and I, and, but I think that, you know, he's a guy that has value. To, to a team that's contending. And, you know, it might not be Arturi Lekkanen value. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that he's in that ballpark. Uh, 
but he's a guy who plays well in the playoffs. You know, you look at the the 2020 bubble, you look at the 2021's uh, final run. He was uh, a big part of that, and he's he's had a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, health related things. So for me, I, I think that there's a player in there. Uh, you know, you're never going to question his effort. You're never going to question even the, the talent uh, to a certain degree. Uh, it's just a, a lot of bad luck for him. And, and yeah, I, 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 if I had to bet today, I would say no. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't be the wor- worst thing. But I, I think that there's a, a very good chance that most of the veterans on this team with term, or at least some of them, will not be back next year. Uh, the offseason is a good time to do that. The Canadians have a lot of prospects and picks they can package to try and get guys off the books. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, odds are, there's a lot of guys you have to make room for. Um, you know, we're talking about the, the if you look at the lineup uh, in, in yesterday's game, you you don't have Cole Caulfield. You don't have Uri Slavkovsky. You don't have Kirby Doc. Um, so who do you take out? Some of those guys are obvious. Some of them less obvious. Uh, and I think that you need to make room for, you know, potentially guys like Emil Heineman, uh, you know, who's going to have a good look at camp. Uh, if not beforehand, <laughs> considering how he's doing in Laval. So I, I think that, yeah, my, my guess would be no. Um, but it would, you know, the contract's uh, a tough one to move as well. So uh, I could go either way, but I, I would say probably not. Yeah, I'm I'm going to say that he's he's going to be there next year, and it's going to be because they're not going to be able to find a trade partner. He's got two years left at 3.4. If this if next year was the last year and he was he was done after that, I think they'd have a shot at, at trading him in the offseason. Because like Jared said, there's there's definitely some value there. I think in the final year of his contract, he'll have some bidders. Um, again, not necessarily in that Arturi Lekkinen range in terms of a return. But with two years left at 3.4, they're not going to buy him out because the cap implications of doing that are going to go beyond. And that's not going to be something that they're going to be able to stomach within the context of their, their timeline for this rebuild. And I, I don't see any other team being willing to take on that 3.4 based primarily on number one, the fact that he's been hurt recently. Um, so are you going to get a full season out of him even? And number two, his production during the regular season just does not say this player is worth $3.4 million AAV against your cap. So I, I think, yeah, perfect world. He would not be a member of the Montreal Canadiens starting next season. Perfect world, that hat trick, you know, it uh, lights a fire in, in, in somebody to, to call Kent Hughes and they, they call him up and offer him something that they shouldn't. I don't care what it is. I'd take a third rounder, fourth rounder, fifth rounder at this point to get him off the books and clear a little bit of space for them to work with. Nothing against him, but they need the space. And I, I just don't see that offer materializing from anybody. And, um, you know, as nice as it would be for a hat trick to make the deal and get somebody to call Kent Hughes up, I don't see it happening. And I see him back with the Habs next year. And they'll have to figure out how to use him and uh, what they can do. And maybe, maybe after next year, they can find somebody in the final year of his deal. I, I could see him kind of like opening day. I, I, I'm going to side with uh, Matt, not just because we have the same first name, um, but I, I'm going to side with you because, you know, it, for all the reasons you mentioned, but the part that all I could I could see happening is, you know, how Joel Edmondson was on the top of everyone's top five trade bait board this year, but he had a year and a half left. I could see a situation where, you know, if he has some juice left and he's healthy, you know, the people will think back to that Habs cup run and see what the, just the, the flip, uh, the, the switch he flicks in the playoffs. It was just insanity. You could not knock this yeah. guy off the puck in the playoffs. It was just, 
it was crazy. So I could see that uh, being a situation and then maybe someone taking a swing at him for a year and a half. Maybe that lowers the price because there's, you know, there's still a year left and it's a bit of a risk. But uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, Matt, that I, I think uh, he'll be there opening day. But at the same time, it's, I think it's well within the po- realm of possibility that he's dealt at the, at the, uh, at the deadline. So he has term left. Uh, let's talk about some names that don't have term left um, after this year, that is. We'll start with the most, in my opinion, interesting one because he was acquired this year. And, I mean, he was in the news last night. You know, it ended up being to some news, to some not news. Anyways, he sat out the uh, the, the pregame skate for family reasons, he stated. Uh, Dennis Gurianov. Uh, I, some days I really like this guy. Some days I, I, I don't. Um, so, I mean, when he's – but when he's got that pep – he's one of those guys, again, when he's got that pep in his step, my God, this guy could fly down the ice and, like, rifle the puck like you wouldn't – you're shocked because you know, why did he go for so little? But uh, do you guys see a world where he's back on the roster in 2023, 24? Let's start with Matt. I do. I, I think it's entirely possible that they bring him back. I think his qualifying offer is maybe a shade higher than they'd like it to be. Uh, I think the team would probably want to pursue something more in like the two year range and try to keep the AAV down. They want to basically give him a show me deal, right? He's it's like you said, he can fly down the ice, shoot the puck. He's got that Josh Anderson gene in him where when he's on, it's wow, what a game out of that guy. And when he's not on, you're like, eh, you know, we, we could have maybe been better off without him on the ice in that particular game. Um, it's just skate real fast, shoot real hard, not super great on defense, but uh, a big body that can really move out there and shoot the puck. I think there's definitely use to that type of player. We heard how much interest there was in Josh Josh Anderson around the league. That mold of player is something that you can insert that in almost any lineup and you can find a use for him. That being said, again, I think his qualifying offer is a little bit higher than they would like it to be. Um, I'm not too sure they're going to want to qualify him. Maybe they do. And then they look to uh, get something a little bit long, like instead of a one year, a two year deal, it's a little bit easier for them to stomach. I don't know, but I definitely see a universe where they bring him back. I just think the price has to be right. Uh, because I, I think players like that sometimes get overvalued in terms of what they bring, because you see them have those great games, and those great games tend to stand out more than the ones where they're almost invisible. So uh, I think they got to be careful with that one, but I, I would definitely consider bringing them back if the price is right. Yeah, I, I think at this point, I think it's more likely than not that he'll be back next year. Um, A, because, you know, the 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 downside is very very low like what was the worst thing like you know so you're overpaying Dennis Guriana for one year or two years uh there could be a lot worse scenarios uh, a lot worse ways to spend that, that cap hit um I'm gonna say I'm gonna agree with Matt though in terms of the you know maybe signing him not qualifying him and bringing him back I mean the Canadians have a perfect example in that last year with with uh, Rem Pitlick where they didn't qualify him and everyone's like, oh, why didn't they qualify him? And then, you know, a week or so or two weeks later, they they signed to a two-year deal uh, at a lower at a lower cap hit. So I, I think that there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, I think that there might be other people they want to bring back. Um, you know, if you're if you're you know throwing say three million dollars out there, uh, I think they'd much rather <laughs> have a guy like Sean Monahan and and kind of you know uh, gamble on that one than. Uh, than than Gurianov, but I mean, I, I think a rebuilding team like the Montreal Canadiens, uh, that Gurianov is a perfect fit for them. And you know, 
the fact that they got him for Evgeny Dadunov, who uh, definitely did not have a future in Montreal, um, <laughs> is, is is a is a stroke of genius just to get him for the end of the season. Um, and anything else is gravy. So yeah, I don't think they'll they'll be uh, too worried if they don't bring him back or if he hits the market and somebody else is willing to pay him. Um, but but I, I would I do think it's more likely than not that that the will be back. You know, it's he's a player like you guys, like you said, Matt. He's got that Josh Anderson gene in him, and like you said, Jared, that, that like that's a guy like that's like a stroke of genius having grabbing him just for even the end of the season. I feel like this is one where you know, I, I mean, not that I don't know if they do this with every player that they're acquiring these days, but this is one where you know, I feel like Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon could sit down with Martin St. Louis. And they could ask him straight up, you know, is there something there? Can you work with this guy? Can you pull more out of him? Because he's been able to pull something extra out of everyone. So <laughs> if if he's able to do that, you know, then well, why not bring him back? You know, year, two years, prove it to us. You know, he was a high first round pick. And then, you know, if it works out, great. You're, uh, you're going to get a contract with us down the road. And if not, well, we have about... 200 other guys down the pipeline that could replace you because they're just <laughs> so stocked full of, uh, of prospects. So I don't know. He's an, he's an interesting one, Gurianov, because again, like, like I said, it's like some games, wow, this guy is unbelievable flying down the ice, even throwing the body other nights. I'm like, where is Dennis Gurianov? It, it, did he go missing? Do we need to find him on? Do we need to put his picture on milk cartons? Um, so, the the more interesting ones to me, I, I mean, I, we could we could we could talk about him, but uh, you know, uh, before we move on to the other RFAs, uh, let's talk Jonathan Drouin. I, I mean, I feel like this guy got so much flack this year, in a weird way, more flack than I thought, like than he's ever gotten. In a weird way, I I don't know. It's maybe because I was expecting him to not really get any, um, because we know the type, of, we know who he is by now. Um, but he quietly had himself a pretty darn good season, all things considered, with the way the roster was, and when he was he was on a crazy point streak at one point. You know, he when when he was on the ice, he was playing good hockey. That's that to me is what counts. And I feel like that didn't get recognized a lot. You know, some people in the media pointed it out. I know, I know you guys pointed it out on your Twitter feeds and good on you guys. Um, so, I mean, do, does he get a PTO? I mean, what kind of, what, what, where does he fit now? You know, with any team really, you know, is he a PTO type player? Is he going to be brought back on a two year deal? You know, what, where do you guys see Jonathan Drouin? Not in Montreal, <laughs> okay. I think, and and and, and that's nothing against Jonathan Drouin, but you know, if his name was anything other than Jonathan Drouin, I think that there's a real argument to bring him back. Um, I think there's a better argument if you take names out of it and you just look at the player uh, and their history. Uh, I think there's a better argument for to bring back Jonathan Drouin than Sean Monahan, um, in terms of risk, in terms of age, in terms of a lot of things. The the issue is that Jonathan Drouin, as a Montreal Canadian, will always be judged by the trade. Whether he likes it or not, whether anybody likes it or not, uh, whether the person who made the trade is even still employed by the Montreal Canadiens, which he is not, um, that's that's the factor that everyone has on him. And uh, for better or for worse, they, they use that against him. They use the fact that he uh, took time away for, for his mental health uh, against him, which shouldn't be the case. 
um, especially in in today's world. But I mean, I, I I've I've tried to stop trying to understand why people hate Jonathan Drouet so much. Uh, you, you can you can put out a, a, a innocuous tweet about how he is playing well, I and mean, people are like, no, he's not. And, and it's just it, it makes no sense and and you know like my mentions you know went off for days just for saying that he's been one of the most underrated Canadians this year and people are like no absolutely not and I'm like yeah like how, who else has <laughs> been underrated more than Jonathan Germain he was a point per game player uh, after coming back to the lineup for you know pretty much point per game player that's not who he is he's not going to be an 80 point player we have to get that out of our heads he might not even be a 60 point player but a 40-point player is an NHL player, and I think he will get an NHL deal. Uh, I think he should get an NHL deal. I think there's plenty of teams out there that he can go to where the microscope will be a lot less on him, the spotlight will be a lot less on him, and he won't be making $5 million. Um, and I think that there's a, a, a there's value there for a player like that. And, and um, I, I, will, I will not defend the trade, but I will mm-hmm. defend Jonathan Durant because he's shown us, like you mentioned, Matt, He's shown us over the last, you know, four or five years, whatever it is, who he is as a player. He's been remarkably consistent when he's been on the ice, and and uh, if you expect more at this point from him, that's your fault. <laughs> that's not his. That's not his fault. So, right. um, I, I think that there's an NHL player there. I, I, I don't. I think there's a lot worse players that you can bring into to a Canadian's team than Jonathan Drew, But I, I really doubt that he'll be back just because of all the baggage that that comes with him. <laughs> I'm I'm going the other way on this one because um, as the self-appointed <laughs> president of the Jonathan Drouin fan club, I want to see him back with the Montreal Canadiens. However, there's a caveat to that. It's going to be you know a one-year, one-mil deal. Sorry, Joe, I can't put your jersey up above Koivu or Price. Those are my two goats, um, so we're going to leave them right where they are. But you get a spot up over here on my uh, office wall. So uh, I love you. I'd love to see you back with the Montreal Canadiens. But listen. There's no way that they can invest real capital in him. The real problem that Jonathan Lewin had this year was not his play. He got the Scott Gomez treatment, right? Everybody remembers when Scott Gomez was making $7 million a year and he didn't score for a calendar year. And everybody was like, man, you, you're not scoring any goals. How on earth are you getting $7 million a year? It's the same problem Jonathan Lewin is having this season, which is that he's not scoring. So people are going, you're overpaid. And they're not wrong. He is overpaid. So his, his contract is an issue. His play is not an issue. I would have zero problem with the Montreal Canadiens bringing him back if the price is right. That baggage that Jared brought up is definitely an issue. I personally think it's more a media issue than it is a, a him issue. I, I think mm-hmm. we've, we've seen where it's gone, and it may be best for him to go somewhere else. Yeah. But for me as a fan, for, for me as somebody who watches 82 Montreal Canadiens games a year, I think there's value in him as a player. As Jared mentioned, maybe he could still be a 40-point player in the NHL. And if that's the case, if you could get a 40-point player at, say, $1.5 million a year even, are you not taking that deal every single day and twice on Sundays? You're taking it, of course. Because if you can get that kind of production out of somebody at, at a reasonable cost that's not breaking the bank, that's not really handcuffing you in terms of the cap, you're going to do it. And I, I think he can still be that player. I think as long as it's not a lot of term and the money is low, I would absolutely bring him back to the Montreal Canadiens next year. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I just want to well, add. Go ahead. What, yeah, I just want to add quickly. What, you know, all this talk about goals. Are, I've never seen. I've never seen an assist that doesn't end in a goal. So, so I mean, yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things where you know, yes, you would like him to score more, maybe shoot more, but you know, assists still still show up on the scoreboard. 
um, as well, right? So, um, yeah. And to be clear, I, I would take him back too. I just don't see it as a, as a likely possibility. And, you know, I, I this is again one, like, like if you, it's, I hate sitting on the fence on things because it's, first of all, it's not very comfortable. And, and second of all, I was always told, to take a, I was always told to take a stance. So, but, you know, you put a gun to my head. I'm going to say he's not back, but, you know, like, like Matt, you said, I would be, I'd be pretty happy if he was, because, you know, the first thing that has to happen is, first of all, he's not going to have a $5 million price tag. That is, you know, there are very few guarantees in life. I can guarantee that. Um, he's not getting that anywhere. <laughs> exactly. So that's the first thing. The second thing is for him to have a spot on this team next year, I think he needs to, well, I mean, maybe now he's just there out of circumstance, but he definitely needs to move back to the wing because the, the center position is just way too loaded over here. Um, and if he moves to the wing, there's a spot for a third line winger for 40 points on my third line. No issues there because a third line nowadays is not the same as a third line five years ago. So uh, I, I would, I completely agree with that. It's, it's mostly like, like you guys said, it's, it's, maybe the change of scenery will just be good for him. You know, maybe he wants to, you know, go play, uh, go play down in Florida tax-free take home his $2 million. And I would be very happy for him if he did that or, and if he got that contract, you know, because uh, I think his time here has been incredibly, incredibly taxing. It's like, almost like I want to get a picture of him, you know, where it was like, Barack Obama before his presidency and after the presidency, yeah. you know, like he, he had five years here. So, you know, it would probably be not too different because he just went through, uh, he went through a lot in his time here. Uh, and a lot of it was expectations based. And when expectations are high, then, you know, things, you know, he, people will say he's a bad player. Well, he's not, he's actually not a bad player. I'm not going to say he's a great player, but he's a pretty, he's, a, he's, he's your NHLer. He's your, your average 40 point NHLer that could put the puck in the back of the net when he needs to, or help someone put the puck in the back of the net. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that when they look at his contract that's attached <laughs> to those 40 points that happen every year. All right. Um, I just want to add one thing. Sorry. Yeah, I, don't make this all about, I don't want to make this all about Jonathan Drouin, but, uh, and I don't know if you're going to bring him up later, but, I just want to talk about expectations for a bit. Like Jonathan Drouin, over 318 games with the Canadians, has a point per game of 0.58. Um, and uh, Paul Byron, over 383 games with the Canadians, uh, is like 0.42. Uh, and and just contrast the fan reactions yeah. to either player. Um, and yes, you know the salaries aren't the same and things like that. There are other things there. But you think, like you said, you think Jonathan Drouin is a bad player. He's not a bad player. Um, he's just not a top line player. That's what he was sold as. That's what he was drafted. I'm not as. a center. Um, he's not a center either, yeah. but he's been playing center. And you know, uh, you, you mentioned the center depth depth on this team. And yes, there's a lot of depth there, but right now they need centers. <laughs> and yeah. and he, he, he stepped into that role. And to have a guy who can do that, like it, it, it does, it does help. Like he hasn't looked lost there. Um, I mean, he looks better at center now than he did in his first year when he was. You know, playing with Max Pacioretty. So, um, but I, I, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it. Like, it, it's just the expectations when he was brought in, not meeting those, um, has carried him to where we are now. Where you know, a lot of people don't even think he's an NHL player, which is just completely bonkers to me. Um, but you know, that's 
that's what happens when when you don't live up to expectations of Montreal. Um, well, you, that's you know that's a, that's the thing is that like I I le- I lead my life by always set the bar low. You know, you got to <laughs> set the bar low because then when you go in above and beyond that bar. Everyone is like, wow, look at this guy over here. But when, when you have a $5 million price tag attached to you, it's very, very tough yeah. to do that. But before playing again, a game, you know, he, he's on that idea about playing a game as well, right? So it's, well, it's the it. Gomez treatment. Like Scott Gomez was not as bad as people made him out to be when he was here. It was the lack of scoring and the amount of money he was getting paid. It just created a firestorm. Watch, watch those 2010 playoffs. Watch those 2010 playoffs again. Um, you know, Yaroslav Halak, Mike Camilleri had great playoff runs. Scott Gomez is everywhere in those clips. Everywhere in those clips. Um, and, you know, there was a fall off there, obviously. But, um, yeah, he was not as bad as, as people made it up to see him, absolutely. That 2010 playoff run, the first time I had shed tears as a Canadians fan, I was – how old was I? I must have joy? Been, I was, of joy or, or uh, not? Oh, uh, bo- both. Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> both. Tears of joy and of yeah. sorrow when they got eliminated by Philadelphia. Um, but uh, I was 13 years old. That was the first time I cried for this team. Um, so, Ironically, the, the uh, series they played the best was the one they lost. But uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, anyway, so let's, let's close the book on Jonathan Drouin. And here's where it gets interesting because I'm going to go – I'm going to throw three names. We're, gonna, we're not going to break down each of their games one by one. We're, I'm just going to throw them at you, all three. And I'm going to preface this with the reason why I find these three names so interesting is because they've proven that they could play at the NHL level. They're, they're here and they're doing well, especially given the circumstances. However, the part that I find interesting is just – it's circumstantial, right? Because there's so many darn prospects in the pipeline that like you got to have, there's only so much space. So the three names are as follows, uh, Jesse Ilonen, Raphael Harvey Pinard, and Michael Pizzetta. Um, to me, you know, Harvey Pinard has played his way onto this team and, you know, at the very least, you know, I doubt, I doubt he starts next year in Laval. Um, I don't know where in the depth chart he will be, but I think Harvey Pinard has earned his right to play on this team. Uh, Pizzetta, you know, he's a battler. He's out. He's there out there most nights, but I, I don't know. Like, does is that the type of guy? You know, in the locker room for sure, he's the type of guy you want. But on the ice, you know, is how much is he really, really providing? You know, in terms of effort, he's providing a hundred percent all the time. But in terms of actual skill set, probably not that much with all due respect to him. And uh, Jesse Illinen, you know, he has a great shot. We've seen it many, many times. But again, how many prospects have we heard? Oh, my God, they got an amazing shot. They're like blue chip prospect. We got to take a look at them. You know, people need to be sacrificed to see to get those looks at those other prospects. So I leave it to you guys. Uh, Let's start uh, where we ended off with Jared. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Rafael Harvey Pernard is an NHL player. Um, is he going to play next to Nick Suzuki uh, when everyone's healthy? Absolutely not. Uh, is he going to score at the pace he's scoring at right now? Absolutely not. Um, but is he an NHL player? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, and I think that you know he is the kind of guy that every every good team, every good organization has a guy like him, where he's you know he might be homegrown or he's you know, uh, a reclamation project that you picked up or, or whatever. Every good team has a guy like that where you can put him on a top line. And when you go into 
another market or on an, and then the other team looks at your roster you're like why is this guy in your top six like wh- what's gone wrong and then you know Tampa Bay is full of those guys right Tampa Bay is full of those guys where you see guys next to Braden Point you're like really he's a top six player on a team that's supposed to be a contender and sure enough you watch him play and he's one of the best players on the ice and and, and I think that that that's the kind of player that good uh playoff contending teams have where you can put him on the fourth line and he'll contribute. You can, you know, if you have injuries, you can put him up in the top six. He'll contribute. Um, and he's just a very flexible player and, and somebody that any good team has. So, yeah, i very high on Rafael Harvey Pernard. I didn't think that he would make the adjustment to the NHL as quickly as he has. Um, but anybody who's watched him in Laval, and I've watched him in Laval, uh, isn't completely surprised by this. Um and that takes me to the, to the next guy. Uh, Pezzetta, you know, look, I, if you would have asked me two years ago if he'd be in the NHL conversation, I would have honestly laughed um, mm. because he was he was a healthy scratch in Laval. Um, and mm. his credit, he completely rebuilt his game. He had a great camp was it, uh, last year or two years ago. Um, I think it was last year where he had a great camp, um, yeah. surprised everybody, got a really long look, got sent to Laval, started off great. I think he was like almost a point per game in Laval and then got called up when, when Cole Caulfield got sent down um, and to his credit, never, never went back. Um, and he's really improved. He's improved this year. Um, his offensive game. Uh, and I think playing under Martin St. Louis has helped them. Um, he's a guy and you know, when, when St. Louis was, was hired, who said that most coaches have told me to never touch the puck um, because that's not my game. And St. Louis is like, go for it. Like, and I think that he's a guy that 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 truly thrived under that. Um, do I think a contending team has Michael Pozzetta as a regular? I'm not convinced. Um, so I, I think he's a good player for the Montreal Canadiens as we stand now. Um, but eventually you're going to want him to be improved upon. And that's not taking nothing away from him. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, he's in, he's also an NHL player. Um, I just don't know if it's an NHL player on a contender, uh, at least regularly, but he, there's a lot worse players you can have, uh, in your organization, in your lineup. Um, and yes, the Ulanen, I, 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 there's, there's a player there. There, there definitely is a player yeah. there. Um, there, there's a lot of moving parts. I, I think if it wasn't for guys like Mike Hoffman, um and and Neil Armia at the start of the year, I think he probably starts in Montreal. Um, I, I think that he had a, he had a good enough camp to to be in that conversation. Um, he had a good year in Laval, really solidified his all around game. Um, what I've noticed in in the NHL is that even though he's not scoring, he's still noticeable. Like he's not a he's not a liability um, without the puck when he's not scoring. But he, you also would like to see him score more. Um, I, I think that, you know, there's a good player there. But look, whether it's Ulanen or Pozzetta or any of the prospects um, that everyone's a fan of, whether it's, you know, Riley Kidney or Joshua Roy uh, or any of Owen Beck, any of those guys, there, there's there's not enough room for all of them. Uh, and eventually there's going to be a competition and guys are going to lose out. And that doesn't mean that the guys that are losing out are bad players. It just means that there's better options. And, and for years the Montreal Canadiens had top prospects by default um, because there was nobody else. You know, it was like, oh, Charles Adon was the best prospect um, because there, there was nobody else. Um, and, and I think that there was uh, – that that's why they are where they are right now, to be completely honest. 
And, and I think that um, something that I, I started saying uh, a couple years ago is that before, when you looked at prospects, whether it was like guys like Ryan Paling, Yoni Ikenin, Josh Brook, the Canadians needed those specific guys to succeed. And what we're seeing now is that it doesn't matter if it's Jesse Ullinen or if it's Raphael Harvey Pernard or Owen Beck or Emil Heinemann or Riley Kidney or uh, Xavier Simino or the names don't matter because one of those guys is going to come out and become an NHL player. And, and, and you know, the, the, when you have quality and quantity, which the Canadians do have right now, uh, and, you know, people are going to say there's no star potential necessarily, but, I mean, you don't know that for sure, but eventually there's going to be guys that are going to be NHL players from that group. And it's not relying on one guy. Like there was a couple of years ago, Jesse Ullin, and if you told me that, you know, Jesse Ullin would be on the bubble, the, uh, well, who's going to come up? And now there's like a list of like 25 guys that you can yeah, name exactly. that, that can come up. So I, I think that that's a big thing is that it doesn't mean that, you know, there's going to be players who don't work out. And it doesn't mean it's a failure on the player or the failure because it just means that somebody else is coming in. Like same thing with Pazetta. If somebody replaces him and he goes on waivers, that's not a failure. It just means that the team is improving. And that's what you want to see uh, as a Canadians fan or as a Canadians organization. And it's unfortunate because it's, it means that you're going to lose guys that you've become close to and, and like. Um, but I mean, that's the, that's the reality. Um, and and you, when you set your standards higher, that, that means some guys will go And but, but you know what? All three of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised to have NHL careers, uh, long NHL careers in, in some cases. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's a testament to them. I mean, you know, the fact that they're where they are right now is development. And you know, it's not a word that we've seen very often with the Canadians, but that's that's why that's why they're in the conversation. And, um, but yeah, I, I, if, you have, if you had to rank them, I'd put Halbert Pernard and then Ulan and Pazetta are much closer than many people would think. Um, but Harvey Pernard is for me the top of that, that trio. Yeah, I have uh, Rafael Harvey Pernard for sure making the Montreal Canadiens next year. I think yeah. the only way he doesn't is if something wild happens during training <laughs> camp. Like they, they've got a number of rookies that are going to come up and push, I think. Uh, you already mentioned Joshua Hua, Riley Kidney. I think Philip Machar might push. Owen Beck might push. Uh, they've got some forwards that are going to come in and make it interesting, but it would take uh, a Herculean effort on the part of all four of them to make Rafael Hardy Pinot not an NHL player. I think he's absolutely back, and I think he's going to get an opportunity to play in the you know maybe the middle six, bottom six where he belongs instead of being thrust up to the top line with Nick Suzuki. And he, we're really going to get to see what he does against lesser competition. Um, not lesser competition, but more appropriate competition, I should mm. say. Um, as for Michael Pizzetta, no. Uh, his his qualifying offer is super low, so I could see the team qualifying him because it's under 800K. But uh, I could also see them not qualifying him and just letting him walk. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't think that he fits with the rebuild. Uh, I, he's, he's a fun player to watch. You know, he goes out there. He's very physical. Uh, he goes 110% every single game. Uh, he's willing to get into fights uh, on behalf of his teammates or on behalf of himself or on behalf of a hit that he throws that he shouldn't even have to fight for like he did in the last game. Right. Tom Wilson goes after him and Tom Wilson's a much bigger guy and he still gets in there and mixes it up with him. Uh, you got to respect the player that he is, but I don't see him coming back unless they go for the qualifying offer, in which case I think he might oscillate between Laval and Montreal, depending on where they need him. Um, I, I don't see him as a day one Montreal Canadian next season. And Jesse Elinen, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Or Pat Bexel is going to come to my house and try to fight me. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's got a shot, but I think he's 
a step below Harvey Pinot, and he's going to be in that battle with guys like Joshua Watt, Riley Kidney, Philip Michard, and Owen Beck for one of those final forward spots. Sean so Farrell. I think he's definitely Sean Farrell. I completely forgot about Sean Farrell even. There's so many prospects uh, coming up that are going to be pro next year that I, I think he's going to have a, a challenge there. But the, the question is going to be, he's going to be able to rise to that challenge and, and beat some of those guys out in camp. It's going to be one of the more fun camps that we've seen in a long time, I think. I'm super excited for next year. Matt, you were talking about it at the at the top of the podcast, like uh, that you're kind of waiting for this one to be ended. It feels like this one went by really fast. I'm glad it went by really fast because I cannot wait to see what happens next year in camp for this team. There's so many young players coming up that there's going to be that big battle for it, and Elon's going to be in it. There's going to have a bunch of other players that are going to be there as well, and we're, we're going to see who comes out on top, who makes that roster, and uh, it should be fun to watch. And hey, listen, uh, if all goes well, you know, they'll have a, a certain 18-year-old named Connor Bedard over uh, hmm. over at camp as well. Wouldn't that be just Bedard, so Fantilli, Benson would work? But, well, listen, I, I don't want to, like, I just, I know the second one doesn't count, but I just hit the sim lottery and the Canadians just won the <laughs> Just won the like the draft lottery, okay? Um, now you know what. Just as a side note, uh, you know a lot of people are gonna say when when the draft lottery happens, you know. But for me, I you know a lot of people are always say the NHL's rigged. There's you know there's. I think it's actually you can make the case it's the if you believe that leagues are rigged, which the NFL this past uh, Super Bowl did not do themselves any favors, um, as a, just as a side note, because there was a video of, uh, of you know, Roger Goodell embracing Chris Jones of the Chiefs saying, literally saying, I don't care how you hit the quarterback. You're a great, like, what? This guy is taking, you know, you're hitting, roughing the passer penalties. Anyways, I digress. Um, you can make the case that the NHL is the least rigged Rigged of all the t- of all the leagues, just based off of how their draft lotteries go. You know, Edmonton won the draft lottery ten years in a row, or whatever it was. You know, it's, no Look. no league does that. So when when Connor Bedard ends up in Columbus, we're gonna know for sure the NHL is not rigged, or they just built themselves a great alibi. What's 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 the you know? There's not one fan who would call the NHL overly competent, um, and 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 you know how. Like how confident you'd have to be to like rig the lottery over a number of years, or even even just one year, and not have it leak. Like it's it's just impossible. And and it just you know like the NBA tried it once, and there's already been like rumors and stuff about it. And uh, you know back to '85 and Patrick Ewing, right? Like you know there's still people who talk about that uh, being rigged. And yes, Gary Bettman did learn from David Stern, uh, but at the same time. Um, there's there's no way like it just doesn't make sense um they're they're not organized enough people right like it's it's like calling (laughs) it's like it's like when people say the officials are biased and like have like an agenda that requires them to be like really good at their jobs as opposed to really bad at their jobs like it it just it don't 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 confuse uh you know incompetence for bias and and don't you know it, it just this comes works out that way and if the Montreal Canadians win two draft lotteries in a row people are gonna say it's rigged um, well, uh, but, but you know what? If, if that's the result, then uh, Montreal Canadiens fans will hey, be happy with Devil's it. advocate, if it is rigged, where would you want the potential next best player in the entire world to go? Do Arizona. you want him to go to Columbus, Ohio? Columbus, <laughs> are, are, are Ohio. Asking, or do you, you want him to go to Montreal? The are you asking me or Gary Bettman? Well, Gary Bettman will say Arizona. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, yes. Well. That will be Ari's, That will be the gift to Arizona for being the team, the league's money laundering hub for the past, God knows how long. Look, um, there's a non-zero chance they end up with like Connor Bedard, uh, Logan Cooley, and Austin Matthews as their top three centers in two years. Um, but I, I and they can play in front of four thousand people. That's awesome. Well, in yeah. two years, will they still be <laughs> in front of four thousand people? Yeah. No. You know what? I have heard good things of that arena, though, like in terms of atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I hey, know. I'm just like, I've, I'm not, I've heard good I'm, things. I've heard good things about like, the arena around the corner from my house. But I'll tell you what, there shouldn't be playing NHL <laughs> games there. That's also a fair point. Listen, I'm not trying to be a mouthpiece for, for the NHL. I'm just, you know, like people, people, uh, they, they always say like, oh, they got to move that team out of Arizona. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it for too no. many reasons. One, they're literally the money laundering hub of the league. <laughs> Number two is, for logistically speaking, it's a that's a sports town. It's a sports market to be tapped into. And we've seen when the team does well that they fill that stadium. Well, at least they filled the old stadium with, you know, all the people, uh, you know, with the whiteout that they had one year against, uh, I believe it was Nashville. Um, but anyways... Uh, let, let's with all that being said, let's talk a little bit of draft um, because, you know, that's the next uh, I guess that's the next big thing. We got the draft lottery, I believe, sometime in May. The date was announced and I don't remember it, but it doesn't matter. Um, that is the next date circled on every Habs fans calendar, except for myself, apparently, because I don't know it. Um, but, um, you know, let's say things fall the way they should, you know. At the season ended right now. The teams with the odds with the best picks, so that would be uh, the Ducks, they get first pick, and Columbus gets second, and the rest is the rest because that's the way the draft lottery falls. Um, you know, a lot of people are worried about some players. Uh, you know, the biggest one being uh, Matt Michkov is, you know, like, I don't know what the worry is because maybe it's just because of the Russian, the whole Russian thing. And, you know, that's fine, I guess. Uh, but the, the two that I've heard uh, considerable, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I want to say? Concern if the Canadians were to pick them, because there's been those reports that if the Canadians don't win the draft lottery, they're going to go off the board. Uh, there's two that I've heard that there are concerns that the Canadians would take them. Uh, the number one would be uh, Dalibert Dvorsky, and the other one was Edward Chalet. Um, those are the two players that everyone was like, oh my God, if we get those guys, the world is ending and this this rebuild is going to take another 20 years. Um, I mean, where, where do you guys stand on players? Let's say the Canadians end up with fifth or sixth. Uh, what is your uh, best case scenario? Assuming that Matt Michkov uh, goes before the, he get the Canadian selection. Well, Dvorsky is projected to go considerably later than fifth or sixth. Uh, so if they take Dvorsky at fifth, I will personally start a riot in downtown Montreal. I got two targets that I'd like at fifth or sixth. Uh, I would definitely go with Matt Vaymichkov if he drops because of the Russian factor. I think it fits the Habs timeline. They can afford to wait until he's ready to come over. Um, and maybe he decides to defect and come a little bit earlier because of the situation over there. Nobody knows, right? It's a bit of a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking. He's a potential generational talent, uh, and I would definitely have no problem taking him at fifth or sixth if he's there. 
The other one's Zach Benson uh, with the Winnipeg Ice. You're not going to have a problem with him coming over. He's already in Canada. He's injured right now. I think he's coming back soon. But he had a heck of a season. He can play center. He can play wing. He's a very gifted playmaker. I'm super excited about the idea that he could join an already robust Habs prospect pool. Uh, one of those two at fifth or sixth would be great for me. Of course, you know, you have to consider the possibility of guys like maybe Leo Carlson dropping. I think that seems pretty unlikely at this point. But if he drops, you'd have to consider him for sure. Um, Adam Fantilli, I don't think he's going to drop. But, you know, if something crazy happens at the draft and all of a sudden he's sitting there at five, yeah, you take him and you laugh all the way to the bank. If they go off the board and they take uh, Chalet or they take um, Dvorsky, or the, who was the other one that they had talked about was Reinbacher. I think Reinbacher is the only one yeah. that I might be able to get behind because there's some legitimate, like uh, Pat Bexel, uh, who also writes for Habs Eyes in the Prize, he's done the research into him and he said, you know, there's an entire possibility there that he's the next Moritz Sider, uh, which would be a heck of an addition to a Habs prospect yeah. pool. So I think I could get behind that a little bit at fifth, or maybe not at fifth, but at sixth. But if they go with either of the other two, I'd say, why didn't you just trade down? and get some extra draft capital. If they just go off the board like that and Homer pick them, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> the whole thing with Dvorsky for me is kind of funny. Because, you know, you guys are, are probably, you know, you remember when, like, whenever there's, like, a Quebec-born player or a guy from the queue, it, it would always go to Montreal in the mock draft, uh, mm-hmm. even though they've never <laughs> a, a French-Canadian since 2009 and Louis Lavlache. <laughs> Uh, I just feel like at this point, it's like Slovakian guy around the Canadians pick. Yeah, that's who they're going to go. 100%. Um, you know, they, it's, it's, they did it twice last year. Um, I, I just feel like that's like, yes, they might be interested. Yes, they might be looking at him. I just think that like connecting the two at this point is just like, yeah, like, of course they're going to do that. Like, you know, why don't you just name the Montreal Slovakians instead of the Canadians? <laughs> I mean, um, but I mean, it, it's possible. But I mean, I'm going to go a little bit. Um, and contradict Mac a little bit. You know, we've been tracking the the mid season rankings for for a lot of these um, sources, and, and Dvorsky is actually eighth by consensus. Um, he yeah. does have a lot of rankings that are outside the top ten or a lot lower than five or six, mm-hmm. but so do a lot of guys in that range. Um, you know, the, the only one that's you know there's in the top six, there's the, the top four that I think everyone can name. Then there's Will Smith and, and Benson that 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 Matt mentioned, and then there's a very big drop off. Um, to Andrew Cristal, Dvorsky, Barlow, um, you know, Saleh is in that group as well, Braden Yeager. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys there. And I think that one thing that we need to realize, and a lot of people are like, oh, the Canadians don't win the draft lottery, it's a failure. Um, no, the good teams and slash great teams find good players that are not generational. And the, the issue, and, and I think that a lot of Canadians fans are um, – are, are just used to top picks failing. Uh, you saw it when Slavkovsky was started to be mentioned last year. You know, a year ago at this time, you know, the, the talk started really um, that, oh, they might not take Shane Wright. And people were like, oh, that's a disaster. Um, and, and in the end, it turns out that Slavkovsky is, is uh, a good player. There's still a lot of people who think he's already a bust. Um, I I don't know uh, why. You know, he's so, only... Intru- introduce them to Kirby docking, then yeah. call uh, your eyes left. Right. Abri- right. Yeah, you know, but like, I, I think it's way too premature to say that. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to absolutely be better than Shane, Wright, But I think that it's a lot closer than maybe a lot of people thought, you know, uh, prior to the draft. Um, and, and especially hearing Slavkovsky talk and his attitude, um, you know, swayed me right away. So I, I think that there's, uh, there is a little bit of 
leeway that this management team has. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, their top four picks, and a lot of people don't like Philip Machar either uh, at this point. But then you look at Beck and and Hudson uh, in last year's draft and, and Vincent Rohrer and, you know, Cedric Gaindon has, has been played well. Adam Engstrom, um, Patrick mm-hmm. would have killed me if I didn't mention him. Um, there's a lot of players from that draft that have turned out to be really, really good picks. Um, and everyone's focusing on the two Slovaks who, um, you know, disappointed to varying degrees. I don't even would I wouldn't even call it disappointment personally, but that's what the the chatter is there. So, I mean, I I, I think that the Canadians are going to do their due diligence. They're going to look at a lot of players, and you know, I don't I don't think it's going to be like you can't be. They don't even know what they're going to pick yet, right? Like you can't focus on one guy and be like, oh, that's who we're taking, because you can be first, you can be second, you can be seventh. Uh, and you know, especially in this draft, the options vary very wildly. Um, where, where you go from, so I think that yeah, you're looking at every player. Are they looking at a lot of players within the, the, the six to 16 range? Yeah, and they should be. You know, uh, Edward Sully had a, had a great under 18s uh, a year ago, uh, and you know, you know, or uh, and I think that yeah, you know, he's a name that's there, and people are like, oh, there's better players there. Yeah, there might be better players there. But, you know, as you don't pick the better player today, there's a lot of development to be done. And I think what this Canadian management team is focusing on, and, and there's very good proof to that already, is that they're they're looking at players who they feel, and you mentioned this a little bit when you looked at, when you talked about Gary Yonov, man, uh, players that they can look at and be like, can you improve him? And where can we fix him? Where do they want to improve? And I think that there's a lot to be said to that in the player selection process, as opposed to just going like, yeah, he's the top player on our board. Let's take him. Um, and, and I think that's why Slavkovsky was uh, targeted. I think that's why a lot of the guys they drafted were targeted. Uh, and I think that that's why whoever they're going to target in this draft is going to be the same way. And, and I think that that's um, a good thing uh, for the organization. And I think it's just a lot of players, you know, so many Canadians fans, uh, and rightfully so, uh, feel like if you're not a sure thing, you're going to fail because that's how it's been for for 20, 25 years, to be completely honest. Um, you know, the, the prospects that panned out were ones that literally could not fail. Your Suzuki's, your Caulfield's, your Carey Price's, uh, and everybody else has failed. Your, your Kakanyemi's, your Galchenyuk's, your, you know, everyone else in that group. And, and I think that, that that's, you know, Canadians fans and even media to a certain extent know no different. So you see, you see Slavkovsky starting the NHL at 18 and struggle and you're like, oh, he's a bust. They're doing the same thing again. Um, and But the mindset's completely different now. And I think that that's something to keep in mind. And um, uh, there's a lot of scouting still to be done. The, the under 18s have not happened yet. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things that can change in that. And, and I think that that's, uh, you know, you don't want to read too much into one tournament, but there's a lot of development and, you know, let's face it, a lot of the, the chatter, and even from media, unless you're an actual scout, you haven't watched these guys either. Um, you know, so so I think that there's a lot of unknown. Um, a lot of people at this point last year were laughing at the fact that Slavkovsky would be a, an option at number one. I'll be honest, it was one of them. You know, I was like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? There's no way. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's something that you have to look at, but I think that, you know, there's a mindset change here, and, and the Canadians not picking in a top five is not a failure. Not picking a player that works out would be a failure. And, and I think that there's, 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 those are two different things um, because a player doesn't have to be can't miss. 
And you know what? There's so much more draft talk to be had. I I mean, you know, you guys, as you guys may or may not know, my, my favorite sport is, uh, is football. And, you know, for the past, well, I'm going to say since the, since the Bengals, uh, my favorite team were eliminated from the playoffs. I have been doing pro football focus mock drafts. <laughs> I have been reading every single goddamn mock draft on the internet by, I don't care who, it could be by Joe Schmo on Twitter. I will read his damn mock draft because I want to see who he has the Bengals picking. And that that's the beauty of this thing. Uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's even when the team is losing, uh, you know, they're losing in, in, in exciting ways for the most part. You know, they're not getting blown out of the water. Uh, and if they are, they're still scoring on the other end, which is great. Uh, I mean, there's just still so much to look forward to. And you know what? This hour flew by and I can't wait to have both of you guys back uh, for a pre-draft, you know, at some point before the draft happens, we're going to have this round table again when more information is available on all these prospects. And then we know where the Canadians are picking May 8th, by the way, it's May 8th. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, on, you know, on May 8th, we find out where they're picking and, you know, this is just going to be, I mean, there's not much of a discussion to be had if the Canadians win the draft lottery, but Hey, uh, you know, that, that's uh, that's a good problem to have. So, uh, uh, guys, I, I just want to thank you so much for uh, for uh, joining me on this Friday night. And I'm going to give you guys each a chance to uh, let the people know where they can follow along on all your work. Yeah, I'll go first, I guess. Um, have eyes on the prize. Uh, we're independent now. Uh, it's great. Uh, we have our website back, our domain um it's a it's an exciting time um and uh we are looking forward to to doing what we do best which is uh look at draft prospects look at the uh the prospects in the uh, the organization and um the off season might start um in a couple of weeks um or even next week i don't even you know three games left so you know you know a week or so left um and uh after that we get into uh, our draft previews and uh, looking at these prospects oh, and, and giving the information. And it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be a, a lot of fun, and that's um, that's where you know <laughs> I know I have a lot of reading to do, a lot of video to do uh, leading up to it because uh, yeah, unless they pick number one, because if they pick number one, it's pretty easy. Um, unlike last year, so uh, but yeah, eyes on the prize, have eyes on the prize uh, it's a uh, it's a fun time for us and uh, exciting time for us as well. Same for me. Like I said, I stole Jared's job as deputy managing editor, so now I got I got a pay raise and everything that, that Jared still doesn't know about. We got to talk to Justin about that one a little bit more later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, HabsEyesInThePrize.com. Uh, I'll definitely be writing a lot of draft profiles. I frankly cannot wait for the Habs season to be done so that I can really like dig into the the QMJHL playoffs, the OHL playoffs, the WHL playoffs. Uh, and get a better look in the big games where it really matters for some of these players. Um, you can also find us uh, on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. It's just Habs. It's just Eyes on the Prize, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. If you search Eyes on the Prize, you'll find us. I've actually got an interview that I did with Riley Kidney on what Tuesday, this past Tuesday, uh, after his game in St. John's. So uh, I've got one of those up there now. Uh, I do a, a recap after every single Habs game as well, and we'll have a ton of draft content. Uh, coming on that channel as well. So it's audio only. We're not on YouTube. You don't have to look at my face uh, for a full hour like you did this time. But thank you for getting this far. And yes, if you do subscribe to any podcast, please go check us out on uh, on Spotify or on Apple and uh, you know subscribe to us on there. We'll have a lot of content.
Well, guys, uh, again, just thanks for joining me and uh, enjoy your weekends. Thanks. All right. Uh, that was our Friday Habs roundtable. Just, uh, it's crazy to think by in a week from right now, uh, the Montreal Canadiens season will be done. Uh, they will have played their last game on Thursday night against the Boston Bruins. And then Friday, we get to break it all down once again the, on the Sick Podcast. If you haven't already, and this is your first time checking us out, and you enjoyed the show, uh, give us a like on the YouTube page. Uh, hit to, hit that subscribe button. And uh, you know if you listen to us on Spotify, hit the follow button on Spotify, uh, Apple Music. We're, we're everywhere, and uh, we are here to stay on the sick podcast follow us on twitter as well follow me on twitter uh happy passover to all those uh, who are celebrating like myself and happy easter to those who will be celebrating on sunday and monday with your day off of work that's it for me tony's back on monday i'll catch you next week and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature.